English with Rob. Hi, everybody. It's Rob. How are you doing? Good. I hope. This is how you start a podcast, right? I don't know. I'm still learning. So here we are. It's just me today. Just me. I have no guest. Okay. Note that I said guest. I have no guest.、Uh, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk a bit about the podcast and what's happening. I'm going to give you some interesting English, and then I'm going to answer some questions when which <sighs> answer some questions which people asked me on Instagram. On Instagram, I said, "Ask me anything," and some people sent me some questions. So, let's go back to the fact that I said guest because when I started this podcast, I said I'm not going to call them guests. I'm going to call them co-hosts because I want to share hosting the podcast every time. But what I found is that it's a lot to ask. People to work together on creating the podcast, and for someone to present as well as me.、Um, you know, because I'm not paying anybody, I'm not being paid for this podcast. So, to ask somebody else to do work on my podcast, it's not really fair. Not really fair, I think. So, I'm going to just call the people who come on my podcast. Guests from now on, and the word co-host will be saved for if ever I actually start working with someone to do a podcast together, which would be nice. You know, I like it when there are two hosts or two or more hosts on a podcast, and they have a really good relationship, and they、uh, can ask each other questions, and I find it more dynamic and more spontaneous and more interesting. Hopefully that will happen one day, but for now、uh, I'm just going to call everybody guests. And I have realised that having a guest on every week is a lot of work. When I have a full time job and three kids, and、uh, trying to make YouTube videos and Instagram stuff at the same time,、um, so. I will try. I will still try to、um, have a guest every week, but there will be more of these podcasts where it's just me. But another reason that's good, in my opinion, is that I can teach you things that I want to teach you,、um, like the interesting English stuff, which doesn't really need another teacher to comment on. It just needs me to present it to you. So I've got my little list of interesting English, which I will. Uh, give to you in these、uh, podcasts where it's just me. What should I call it?、Uh, solo cast. Yeah, solo. Okay.、Uh, what what other podcast news is there?、Uh, well, soon you can hear me guesting on a Zenix English podcast. I was a guest on that recently, and I believe from this Saturday. On YouTube, you can hear me. You can watch me being interviewed by Rod, the Brazilian English teacher, on his YouTube channel. So yeah, a few podcast guest、uh, appearances of me coming up. If if you if you just can't get enough of Rob in your earphones, 
you can find some more. I mean, I'm sure that's not the case, is it? Apart from you, mum. There you go. Uh, okay, so let's move on to the interesting English. Ooh, 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 that's some interesting English. Interesting English. Two pieces of interesting English which occurred to me today, not today, this week, which I want to give you today. And the first one is the word Australia. You know the country, Australia? It has three A's in it. The letter A is in the word Australia three times. And I'll give you a few seconds to think. What is interesting or strange about the three A's in the word Australia? Australia. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you. What's interesting about it is that each A, each letter A, is pronounced a different way. So the first one is A, Australia. The second one is a Australia, stray Australia, and the last one is ah, ah Australia, Australia. So there you go. There's some interesting English, and this just demonstrates how stupid English is in that it's not very phonetic. You see a letter, and you can't really always be sure how that letter is pronounced until you really get a feeling. For the language. Okay, and the other piece of interesting English is something from my my past, but I think it still happens now. So I'm from a town called Leicester, and many people from Leicester, which is in the middle of England, many people on, from Leicester go on holiday or have short weekend breaks in a coastal town. Is it a town or a city? I think it's a town. In a coastal town called Skegness, it's called Skegness. So I went there a lot as a, as a child, and something I found out is that local people who live in Skegness, they call people from Leicester Chizits, Chizits. So when I was in Skegness, I was a Chizit. Why do people from Skegness call people from Leicester? Chizits. I'll tell you why. Obviously, <laughs>、um, it's because of connected speech. It's related to connected speech. The way when you say words together quickly, the words、uh, sort of blend into one. They sound like one word, but it's a few words said quickly. So, people from Leicester go to. Skegness, and there are lots of tourist shops—shops shops where you can buy things for the beach, souvenirs to take home for for your friends and family.、Uh, there's a famous、uh, candy called Stick of Rock, which is like whoa, very sugar-heavy, very hard,、uh, long, sweet, which sometimes has、uh, the the word of the place you visited on, and it's a common gift to take home to people. And When people from Leicester are in these shops, they will often ask, "How much is it? How much is it?" But they won't say it like that. With their Leicester accent, often the "huh" from "how" is gone, 
So it would say, how much? But also, how, be the W sort of disappears and it becomes ah, how much, how much. But when they say it fast, how much is it? People from Leicester say, how much is it? How much is it? How much is it? Oh, these uh, these flip-flops. Oh no, I can't say that. I have to say something sing singular or otherwise it's, how much are they? Uh, this stick of rock, how much is it? How much is it? And it sounds like I'm saying, I'm a chizit. I am a chizit. I'm a chizit. So this is why people from Skegness called people call people from Leicester chizits, because it often sounds like they're saying, "I'm a chizit, I'm a chizit, I'm a chizit." Yeah, there you go, chizits. I'm a chizit. Okay, so now let's jump into the frequently asked questions. I haven't made a jingle, but if I decide to make a jingle later today, it will appear here. So here are the answers to the Ask Me Anything questions. Let's start with uh, a grammar one. Anthony Mansi asks, how do we say have, has, anybody came or come across this. So Anthony is asking about the phrasal verb to come across, to come across something, which means to find something, to find something, to come across something. For example, a few weeks ago, I was in the supermarket and I came across a scarf on the floor. Somebody had lost a scarf and it was on the floor and people were uh, walking on it and pushing their trolleys on it. The trolley is the thing with wheels which you push in the supermarket. So I took it to the cashier and I said, I came across this. I'm going to give it to you. Actually, I didn't say that because I, <laughs> I live in Germany, so I spoke German. But um, this is what I would have said had I been in an English-speaking country. So... Uh, to come across and then the question is has or have anybody came or come across this so if I was the person who had lost the scarf I would go to the cashier in the supermarket a cashier is the person you give the money to you give the cash to even if you pay by card it's still called a cashier um, and I'd say I would say has anybody come across my scarf, it's blue and red. No, it was blue and it's blue and white. Um, and if I wanted to ask the, the cashier alone, just them, I would say, have you come across my scarf? Have you come across? Has anybody come across? And when would you say came across instead of come across? Well, if you're talking in the past, oh, did I say it when I gave the example? In the supermarket, I came across a scarf because I'm talking in the past. I came across a scarf. Okay, let's go to another one. Tsu uh, asks, Where do your ideas come from about jingles and content? Good question, Tsu 
Well, let's start with content. Uh, so, you know what? A lot of my ideas for content come from my actual lessons with students. When I'm teaching something like uh, grammar or vocabulary, because they have asked, how, how do you say this? Um, I want to communicate this. Or if we're having a conversation and there's something they find difficult, I think, hmm, okay, this is obviously a good thing to put in a YouTube lesson or to talk about in a podcast or to do something quick about in an Instagram video. So lots of my ideas for content come from my actual lessons one-on-one -on -one with students or, or groups, group lessons, which I teach. And ideas for jingles, well, I make jingles based on what is going to be in the podcast. But musically, um, my ideas, I don't know really where the ideas come from. Um, my, my feelings, I suppose. Um, but let me tell you this. When, I, when I'm uninspired, when nothing is flowing from me musically, what I sometimes do is I go to the website ultimateguitar.com. And this is a website with chords for many, 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 many famous songs. Chords are um, the music. So it's, it's how to play the music, basically. And what I do is I look up a song which I've never heard before. I put a random word into the search bar and it comes up with names of bands and names of songs with that word in. And I will open the song, look at the chords and play the chords how I want to play them. I'm not playing that song, I'm just taking the chords from that song. And I always use a song I don't know because if I use a song I do know, what happens is I end up playing it exactly the same as the song and I end up singing the same melody. So this is why, this is how I keep being productive when I really, I'm in front of the keyboard or the ukulele or the guitar and I don't know what really to play. I would just find some chords. Okay, another question. Uh, M-I-S-L-U asks, how's life in Germany? Um, <laughs> well, it's okay. Uh, don't know what to say really. I do prefer living in Germany to living in the UK. Don't really want to go into why um, too much because I don't want to um, badmouth England, the UK. If you badmouth something, that means you say you say bad things about them to badmouth. I just prefer it here in Germany. Life is good. Um, yeah, sorry, that's a very vague answer. How's life in Germany? Good, thanks. That's all you're getting, M-I-S-L-U. Sorry. Uh, Mitra Bahadoran asks, is teaching English a lucrative job in Britain? Hmm. By lucrative, probably... I'm, you know what? Let's look up a um, definition of lucrative. Lucrative meaning. This is the definition of lucrative. Producing a great deal of profit. Okay, so it's talking about money. Is... No, is the answer, I think. English teaching generally 
by Western standards, is not a high paid job. There is a lot of work involved and usually you are paid hourly for the classes, but normally you have to prepare the classes. And for me, sometimes preparing the class takes as long as or sometimes longer than the class I'm teaching. But yeah, I, I went into this job because I want to live in countries where I don't speak the native language and not for the money. So don't start teaching English for money. Start teaching English for passion because you love it. This is the state in Europe and it's very generalizing, but the Western world. In other countries, in more sort of developing nations, maybe being an English teacher is more prestigious and um, it pays relatively well. But in Britain, to answer your question, uh, who was it? Mitra Bahadoran? No, it's not. Okay, uh, let's... Oh, he's he or she is back with another question. Mitra asks... Hi, Rob. How long have you been teaching English? I can answer that one very quickly. Mm, can I? Well, <laughs> I've been teaching English. My first, the first time I taught English was in 2012, but I was not qualified. And I was at a university teaching photography and they asked me to cover uh, an English lesson while somebody was away and I did it, but I wasn't qualified. I didn't have a teaching certificate. I got my first teaching certificate in 2013, and that's when I started teaching English full-time. Do-do-do. Uh, let's see, the next one. Toto-Ro78 asks, Hi. Uh, I want to know because you live in Germany. I want to know because you live in Germany. I think she means I want to know why you live in Germany. I want to know why you live in Germany. I live in Germany because of my wife's job, basically. Um, she, uh, her, she, her job, they like their employees to move around the world a lot, which suits us because we like to move around the world a lot. We've lived in London, in Phnom Penh, in Cambodia, in Paris, in France, and now we're here in Frankfurt, in Germany. And next year, her contract is up again, so we will get a new she will get a new contract somewhere else. We'll see where that is. Probably Paris, until we, which is their head office, until we find another one. Um, but maybe somewhere else. But basically, if you're asking why I live in Germany, that's why. But also because I like Germany. Um, if my wife got a contract in a country I didn't like, then, you know, maybe we would have to have a conversation about that. But generally... We're on the same page. Warning. Whoa. Warning. Oh, there's the idiom alarm. Warning. To be... Warning. Just... Idiot. Okay. To be on the same page means to agree with someone. So me and my wife, we're on the same page about what countries we would like to live in. And um, yeah, there you go. Okay. Uh, here's the next one. Tika teaches English. Uh, Tika, who I can't remember what episode number it was. Uh, but Tika has been on this podcast and we talked about staying in hotels. Teacher, at, not teacher, Tika. <laughs> Tika asks, 
Why are you... It's real, look. Why are you so awesome? Well, uh... My father was awesome. My grandfather was awesome. My great-grandfather was awesome. My great-great-grandfather was awesome. And his father before him was awesome. It, it just runs in the family. I can't say why. I don't know. I think maybe I was bitten by a radioactive awesome thing. <laughs> okay, here we go. Next one. Uh, Mikhail, Michaela Girotti. Michaela Girotti. Sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Asks, when did you s decide to become a teacher? Tell us something odd about your job. When did I, did I decide to become a teacher? Um... Well, when I was working in Cambodia as a photographer, um, a friend of mine left and he was working as a photography lecturer, photography teacher at a university, and he asked, hey, do you want to take over this job? It wasn't full time, it was part time. So I said, yeah, sure, that sounds interesting. Uh, a couple of days a week, I would be in the university teaching photography and I had no idea how rewarding I would find teaching um what was the question when did you decide to become a teacher so that's when I decided when I found out when I realized that the teaching was more enjoyable than the doing photography and then when we moved to Paris I um thought it would be unrealistic to be able to teach photography in French <laughs> in a French university when there are all many already so many good photographers and photography teachers in a in a huge metropolis like Paris, uh, I thought, well, you know what, English teaching, it's it's interesting, it's a new uh, a new challenge, and um, it's not as lucrative, but there is more availability, there is more work out there. So there you go, that answers that. Uh, Huda Salid, I think, sorry for the bad pronunciations, asks, Is it good learning two languages at the same time? Hmm. I'm going to say it's subjective. I find it useful. It, and I would say it probably depends on the languages. If you're learning something like Cantonese and... German at the same time it's going to be quite difficult because they're very very different languages but right now I'm can I should I say learning yeah I'm, I'm still learning or improving my French and my German and um, I find it quite useful to do those two at the same time because some of the words sometimes are related actually not that often hmm between Spanish and French, it's closer. But, you know, French and German are both languages with a formal form. The conjugation is quite similar. Uh, they have masculine and feminine. German also has neutral. But I find it... Well, you know what? I do it out of necessity because I live in Germany, but my children go to the French school. So I need to speak French when I'm at the school with the teachers and German when I'm out just on the street anywhere. This is why I'm learning both. Um, 
Listen, I'm, I'm no authority to say, is it a good idea to learn two languages at the same time? So I'm gonna say it works for me, but it's slower. I think if I was working just on German, my German would improve faster. So think about what languages you need and hey, just, just try, just try. If you find it too difficult, just drop one. That's my advice. Okay, uh, Riza Cam says, would you like to make live with your followers? Uh, make li do lives or go live with your followers? Hey, I do. Um, I do live with learners, not every week, but uh, maybe every second week, every other week, I do that. And you're following me on Facebook, so you should, if you look at stories, you should see when I'm going to go live, because normally I, I let people know the day before, or sometimes on the day. Sometimes my lives, I'm talking about Instagram podcast people, sorry. Sometimes my Instagram lives are spontaneous, just when I find I've got a spare minute, few minutes. So follow me on Instagram, and uh, what is it you do? You don't click the bell. Make sure your notifications for my channel are showing up and you will see when I'm going live and I invite learners to come on and, and usually we talk about the theme that my podcast the previous week was about so that you have listened to the useful vocabulary and the example conversation and hopefully this will give you what you need to come on and have a conversation with me and practice your English. Who? Oh no, I've already read that one. Uh, Man on the Moon asks... Did you ever have long hair? If so, can we see a picture of it, please? Hmm. Uh, my hair now is is a bit long. It's longer than I normally like to have it. This this is a podcast, so it's not really um, very good to do visual stuff. Uh, but I've not been to the hairdressers for a long time because last time I went during, you know, this is during COVID, I could feel the guy breathing on me, even though he was wearing a mask and he would like, take my mask off with his fingers so I wasn't very comfortable so I've not had my hair cut for I don't know like maybe nine months but when I was 16 17 I had long hair past my jaw um sort of Kurt Cobain length hair but the problem is it, it goes very wavy like waves you know it goes up and down sort of curly wavy and I needed to put a lot of um gel in it to make it straight and it was too much work and yeah eventually I just cut it so I, I have had long hair can you see a picture of it um you know what all those pictures are at my parents house in England so maybe next time I'm there I'll, I'll look out for one next one Mohammed Riz something uh it's not showing the full name wait if I click on it no uh asks how to overcome fear of public speaking or generally the fear of speaking English? Well, get yourself a teacher. Get yourself an English teacher who you can practice your English speaking with. There are loads of resources out there. Um, I don't want to list one because there are so many. Um, you might have to pay. This is the, this is the fact. You might have to pay unless you can find a language exchange where someone wants to learn your language and you have a conversation which is half of it, you know, you set a clock and you can say 10 minutes English, 10 minutes 
Arabic or whatever. Or you can say half an hour English, half an hour Arabic, or you can switch every 15 minutes over two hours. Whatever you like, as long as you are helping each other with the language and you have patience for teaching and patience when the other person is trying. And this will give you confidence because you have practiced and you, you can be sure that what you're saying is right. How else can you overcome uh, fear of public speaking? Uh, you can look in the mirror and talk to the mirror. You can record yourself with your phone or whatever recording device and then listen back and, listen and think, does this sound okay or not? You can send your recording to, to a native speaker to have a listen and check uh, if you find someone uh, who has time. And what else can you do? It's a good question. I might, I might make a video about that because I think it's a lot of things. So I think it's something people struggle with a lot. Sometimes when I'm doing my live with learners, there'll be a lot of people watching, but then nobody will want to come and talk with me. And I think it's a confidence problem. I, ho I hope it's a confidence problem. I hope they just don't want to talk with me. Uh, where are we? Okay. Uh, Adele H.A. asks, Where were you born? I was born in Leicester, in England. That's my hometown. Leicester, when you read it, it looks like Leicester or Leicester, but it's Leicester. It's right in the middle of England. Uh, okay. That's all on this page. Let me go to the next page. Is it this one? No. Sorry. Okay. Uh, Angel Roro asks, how can we use blood in British English? How can we use blood? Um, maybe you mean bloody. Maybe you mean bloody. Bloody is like a swear word and some people consider it a swear word but it's a very 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 low strength swear word so and basically you can use bloody as a replacement for fucking like it's fucking cold outside it's bloody cold outside or you are a fucking idiot you are a bloody idiot. Or, where is my fucking pen? Where is my bloody pen? So bloody, it's like a lower level um, version of fucking. I hope, I hope that's what you're talking about. If you want to know how can we use blood in English, blood is just a noun. So, uh... Look, there's some blood. <laughs> uh, please don't uh, suck my blood, Robert Pattinson. I don't know. Uh, da -da -da. Angel Roro again asks, what is the meaning of low key and how can we use it? Okay, low key. If you... So low key is an adjective. And so you might have a low key party. A low key party it means it's not a big party it's a small party and it's um not formal it's informal it's low key 
Hmm. Oh, it sounds like Loki, huh? the, the, the bad guy who's the brother of Thor, Loki. And, huh, I'm finding it difficult to define low-key. Oh, my battery's flat on the camera. Okay. Um, you know what, let's just do this. I know that any, any of you can just do this. I know you don't need to listen to a podcast. Low-key meaning. Is the definition of low-key. Not elaborate, showy, or intensive, modest, or restrained. Oh yeah, that's a good definition. Not elaborate, not showy, not intensive, but modest or restrained. So you're not... I suppose the opposite of to, to be low-key is to go all out. To go all out. But if you're low-key... Yeah, it's it's you make less effort. It's more informal... Uh, so a low-key party you might have instead of a really uh, elaborate party. This podcast is sort of low-key, you know? I don't... Um, I've not got any guests this week, and I'm just answering your questions, so it's sort of a low-key uh, podcast. Oh, I've lost my phone screen. Here we go. Um, next question. What's your qualification, asks... Musfiratulan... Uh, oh, sorry. Mus... I'm sorry about that pronunciation. Okay. What's your qualification? So, I have a geography degree. When I went to university, I studied geography. And then when I started to teach English, uh, the first thing I got was a CELTA. C-E-L-T-A. Which is, can I remember what it stands for? A certificate in English language teaching as a foreign language? I don't know what, it, I, I can't remember what it stands for, sorry. I also have a Delta, um, which is diploma in, let me just look it up. Uh, okay, CELTA, certificate in teaching English to speakers of other languages. Okay, so this is why it's confusing. They didn't put all of the words in the acronym just to make it confusing. And then Delta is Diploma in English Language Teaching to Adults. Okay, there you go. By the way, there's, there's something uh, which is probably some useful English to learn. When you're talking about an acronym, like, for example, the RSPB, you can say, what does RSPB stand for? Well, I can tell you it stands for Royal Society for the Protection of Birds. Okay? Maybe you know the song YMCA. What does YMCA stands for? Stands for. What does YMCA stand for? Well, YMCA stands for Young Men's Christian Association, I believe. So there you go. What, what does it stand for? What do those letters, what does that acronym stand for? Because you can't really say what does it mean. What you're asking is what do the letters represent? But we say, what does it stand for? An English nerd, Shireen from An English Nerd, who actually was on my episodes one and two, uh, just because I recorded two simultaneously at the same time and then pretended that it was a week apart 
Uh, Shireen asks, how long have you lived in Germany? Will you ever live in the UK again? Uh, I've lived in Germany since 2016. And will I ever live in the UK? Probably not. Just because, you know what? If, if the UK becomes part of the EU again, I will. But after Brexit, I'm very bitter about the UK. And frankly just don't want to live there anymore if there are that many people in the uk who think that the eu is a bad thing and they want to be alone and not work together with other countries that's not an attitude that i can get on board with so that's one of the reasons i probably will never live in the uk again uh shitawai <laughs> i shouldn't laugh at your name i'm sorry uh it's it's just that it's got it's got the word shit in there, which is a very bad English word. But Shitoai asks, "What happens to the false Rob when you find out he is the false one? Are you his friend?" Okay, I think you're talking about Dylan, uh, who sometimes appears in my videos. Dylan is is my clone, and actually, um, sometimes I I shoot Dylan, and I can just make another. Dylan at any time so um yeah there you go oh when you find out he's the false one ah maybe you're talking about a video I made where what was it I was pretending to be I was no it was me from the future telling me something but actually it wasn't me from the future it was a clone or something I can't remember this is from the days my very early YouTube video making days where I wanted to go all science fiction and really get involved in the storyline and have it be sequential and teach you some some English in every lesson, but also have a story, a sci-fi story happening. But guys, it was just way too much work. I'd love to do that again, but I'd need no full time job and the kids to be in school all the time. And then that could happen again. But uh, you know, if people, if people really loved it and gave me really positive feedback and the views went crazy high, obviously I would, I would make more of them, those videos, but it's just not worth my time because it takes hours and hours and hours to write, record, and especially edit a video like that. So Riza Kim asks, how to be consistent in studying English? How to be consistent? Well, here are some things you can do to be consistent. One, make a schedule of your week and find where in that schedule you have time to learn English and stick to it. But be realistic. Don't make a schedule without any time for you to chill out because everybody needs to relax and chill out. Think how much English you will realistically sit down and do every day or every week. Another way to be consistent is to find a resource which really helps you, which you can go to again and again. A podcast with a transcript. Not that this podcast has a transcript yet. Or, or just a podcast for listening. Um, some YouTube videos. Or something which is not based around English learning. Like a book. You're reading an English book and looking up the words you don't know the whole time. This is consistent because you want to continue the book. With a podcast, you want to hear what's going to happen in the next episode. 
With a TV show, you want to know what's going to happen in the next episode, but don't just watch the TV show. Watch the TV show, read the subtitles, and when you see a word that you don't know, look it up, find other examples of it, try to pronounce it, record yourself pronouncing it, and listen back at the same time as hearing the TV, you know, pausing and listening back and seeing if you can match how they say it. All these things to be consistent, but you're, you're right to ask that question, how to be consistent, because consistency is key. If you just have one English lesson, oh, English lessons, of course, is another way to be consistent. Have an English lesson every week or two times a week with a real teacher. Um, but yeah, consistency is key to learning, I think. Otherwise, if you just have one English lesson or you just pick up an English book or an English TV show every now and again, it's not going to, your English is not going to improve as much as it will being consistent. Okay, so there you go. There, there were all of the um, questions people asked. So, um, this concludes the podcast. I hope to have a guest for you next week. Uh, otherwise, it would just be me and you again. So, <laughs> bye. English with Rob.